exciting episode of Grumpy Old Gaming and Their Dogs! How was that for an opening? Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> like throwing a hot dog down the hallway. Hello out there, my name is Patrick Finn. I am here with the indomitable Tommy Gibbons. Hey bitches, I'm a snowman. It is day 180 here in the Zen Room. Oh, We're now hot. in episode 43. Can you believe it? 43 episodes? No. <laughs> you can't believe it? I can't. You didn't think we'd last this long? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> You see, I'm not sure if you're making that sound like a good thing or a bad thing. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Whatever. So how you doing, Tommy? I'm okay. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Okay. You I'm sound good. loud and and high pitched. I'm just very up and yeah. I'm gonna be lively today. You, you know. Stop that. Oh, I'm sorry. Should I should I tone it down a bit for you? Please. Hello, and welcome back to Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. Yeah, I'll be playing some go. jazz music and lighting nice. some candles. Uh, <laughs> candles, I don't give a fuck, but whatever. But anyway, anything new and exciting going on? New and exciting. Let me see. Nope. Nothing? No. Patrick. I have to ask. Uh, you don't. Yes, I do. Okay. It would be rude not to ask. Oh, I don't think I've ever asked you how it's going. No, but I tell you anyway. Yeah, well, maybe that's why. <laughs> So how's it going, Patrick? Going good, going good. Getting ready to go on our vacation you starting this Friday. Friday. July 1st. Tell we'll us be, about it. We'll be out in Cherry Grove, you know, the other Fire Island queer community. What year is this? Oh, my God. Well, I've been doing houses since, with Stephen since, oh, my God, since like 2002. Tell the story. The tell the story of... The pizzeria. Oh, and I met Stephen. I was going to save that for the anniversary coming up. But yes, we met on July third. Oh no, no, do that, do that next week. Okay, yeah, I'll save that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm saving that for next week. But yeah, no, we've been getting a house now. It's got to be at least twenty years now. Jesus. With various people coming, you know, rented the house out with us, and we get out, stay out there for a week. Every year. Every year. Twenty years. Yep. And it's just, a, it's just a ferry boat ride away from the mainland of Long Island, and you feel like you're a thousand miles away. It's a pain in the ass. It is a wonderful place. It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy for the time I spent there. It is yes. a pain in the ass. Why is it a pain in the ass? It's the ferry, the whole ferry thing. Well, that's the big deal. You you park in the parking lot, you get online, you get on the ferry, your ferry brings you across. It kind of forces you to day drink. <laughs> you make that sound like a bad thing. Standing hot in the sun, day drinking. You can stand in the shade and drink. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I brought it up. Let's cut back. Yeah, I love Cherry Grove. Does. It feels like a thousand miles away every time you go. No oh, shut the fuck up. Every year for 20 years. It must have felt I like a thousand you. miles away. I hate you. I just do the edit. We're going to move on. You We're going to move much. on. You big pain in my ass. It's all made in the editing. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, anyway, we're going to move on to our first segment, which is heavy petting. Ooh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> What's and the topic? Topic is, because we are going on vacation, it's about what do you do with your dog when you go away on vacation? <laughs> I figured that would be a good topic to discuss. So I'm going to sit over here and drink. Because actually, it's uh, we've been very fortunate that for this year and last year, we had a 
friend of Stephen's family, who we spoke to them and volunteered. They loved having Abigail last year. They We asked them again this year. They said yes. And she's very, very happy when she's there. It's not like she's like a homesick dog for us. She's very happy when she's there at this house. I'm sure. So we've been very fortunate with that. But we haven't always been that fortunate. You know, I think one year we actually had you watch the dog. I think that was the first year we had Abigail. I think it was, too. We asked you to watch the dog. And that was a lot of trouble because of her health issues at the time and stuff. And that Which became covered. Yes, thank God. But it's not easy. You've never had this problem because no, you I... live with you live with people and they, they're always there when, for the dog. No. No. Oh, sweetie. That, no. That is so not the problem. Enlighten me. The bitches poe and don't take vacations. <laughs> the fuck are you talking to? Well, let's say you're going away on a overnight trip somewhere. Let's say, let's look at the last time I spent overnight anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. <laughs> so then I guess this has not been a problem for you? Yeah. How, no. how about a hundred years ago when you were a young man? No, it has not been a problem for me. And no, I would just leave the lions some meat and they took care of themselves a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not a problem for me. So no. I'm going to have my tea nice. Okay. Well, I know it, it can be a problem. I know our friend Ernie, who is coming on vacation with us, he had a hard time finding someone to watch his dog, Arthur, but he finally got his friend to watch him because because he watches his friend's dog for him. So he's like, screw you, you're watching my dog while I'm on vacation. That's a nice way to do it. That's, that's a great way to just drop your dog off and say, right? I'll be back in seven days. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it's quite like that, okay. but... We're just bringing you down to the brass tacks. But, uh, yeah, it can be difficult to find someone to watch your dog. But not only that, you want to find someone who's not going to just house the dog. You want someone who's going to interact with the dog, too. Right, you know? right, right. You want them to, you know, you want to ha- enjoy having the dog for the for the time that you have it, you know? Right, right, right. And that can be hard to find, too, sometimes. Right. Right. And then, right. of course, you have the last resorts, which are putting them up in a shelter somewhere. Oh. And I've never had to do that. I have no experience with that. I don't know anybody who has. Do you know anybody who's had experience with that? Not that I know of. Okay. Have you ever heard any stories of people who've put dogs in shelters? Uh, I hesitate at calling them shelters. Are okay. Shelters? Well, I think they're called other well, things. Boarding yeah, shelters, houses, boarding, boarding. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess shelters isn't the right... Shelters is where you leave a dog to get picked up by someone else. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, shelters is not the right word. Yeah, no. So so it's... um, uh, Yeah, I've heard of people who leave their dogs at shelters. I've heard... uh, At At these room and boards. At at room and board places. Some of them have sterling reputations and the dogs enjoy themselves fully and the dog comes home healthy, happy, and loved. As it should be. Uh, There are other horror stories and we, you know, we all know that they're the same... Vets, the same thing. You could use some horror stories and some really just unbelievable people. Yeah, exactly. I I don't like necessarily the idea of a kennel. Right. Now, I'm not a... It's not like I say, it's not my first choice. It's, I would be an absolute last resort. And thankfully, we've never had to had to go that route, you know? Why don't you take that bitch with you? Because in the atmosphere that we'll be in, there will be a lot of alcohol intake and people forget that there's a dog and there's a in-ground pool and there's a gate and people will forget about the dog and God forbid something horrible should happen or it gets out of the gate or anything like that. I understand. You know, we're on vacation. You know, we don't want to have to spend our vacation worrying about where the dog is. This conversation sounds familiar. 
Because we actually, we, earlier this year, like in May, we, we went over to Fire Island for a day and we brought Abigail with us. And we realized bringing her there with us, how much of a responsibility is that is to have a dog on the island with you. And, and you're really on is. vacation, bitches. And we're on vacation, you know? So, and, and like I said, we, I, we, we know a horror story of another couple that they lost their dog. Not, not literally lost it. Their dog died while they were on vacation. That was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible, and it was because of inattention due to alcohol intake, and it was a party, and people lost track of the dog. So I know I don't ever want to be put in that position. That's why I leave the dog behind on vacation. So the bitch stays home. The bitch stays home. If it was a different kind of vacation, like you know, if we were going away, like you know, upstate for a weekend or anything like that, that I would bring the dog to because that you're you're not going away for the weekend to go get sloshed or whatever. You're going there because you're going there for a weekend trip, so you can bring the dog on something like that. Okay, but like kind of nice B and B up just north of Boston, right? You get the idea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, on the kind of vacation that. that we're going on, where there's going to be lots of people at the house and comings and goings, no, I'd, we don't want to have the dog there for it. Probably more goings than comings. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Good. What's next? But that's pretty much it for Heavy Petty. Yeah, I enjoyed that one thoroughly. I'm, I'm sure you did. I can tell. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. Who are they? Well, of course, this is the end of the month of June, which has been our celebration of Pride Month every day on Facebook and Twitter pages. And for this, for today, unfortunately, there have been there are no queer birthdays for today. So nobody gay was born on this day? No, well, I do have one birthday on this day, but it's, it's not a queer person, but it's related, you might say. So nobody was born on this day? Well, no, a person was born on this day, but only one that I thought of significance to mention on our podcast. Is that okay? I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, who is it? Well, he was born today, June 29th, 1910, in Manhattan, the son of German-Jewish immigrants. His dad was a classical pianist. He never taught his son to play, as his son was self-taught and could play by ear by age four. He disliked his father's refined taste in music and began writing his own songs in the popular genre and learning the harmonica. You're not talking about Gershwin. No, I'm not talking about Gershwin. A harmonica, you said, that's what's his name? That's um the guy with the harmonica. Okay, well, I don't know who you're talking about. Yes, so. you do, you bitch. Well, yeah. anyway... <laughs> He, he began in the 1930s, he began playing in a nightclub in Manhattan, and that led to his first Broadway musical called The Illustrator's Show, which lasted four nights. Okay. He also wrote songs for Universal Pictures and later for Paramount Pictures. He, Michael Jackson had him on album. Okay. Among his songs were Two Sleepy People, Heart and Soul, and See What the Boys in the Back Room Will Have, sung by Marlena Dietrich in 1939's Destry Rides Again. See what the boys in the back, back room, room will have. <laughs> he also wrote the 1942 song Jingle Jangle Jingle, yeah, for which he wrote, like the, fun. he wrote the lyrics. And it was voted by the Western Writers of America as one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. During World War II, he served in the Army and continued to write songs, including 1942's Praise the Lord and Pass the Ammunition. Could you go back to... Go back one. Go back one? Yeah. To what? Jingle, jangle, jingle? Yeah. What about it? Never mind. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, it was... Uh, it, 
I was something snarky about rhyming jingle jangle jingle. Well, I don't know if he because you know the song, right? No, uh, I, Spurs, that jingle jangle jingle. You've never heard that song? That's like some. That's a cowboy song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they sing a jingle jangle jingle. Yeah. Okay, this harmonica guy is not who I'm thinking of. It's I'm probably thinking of, not. Forget I'm about the harmonica. Okay, the you're putting guy. too much concentration on the harmonica. Okay, forget the harmonica. Don't doubt me. In 1948, he wrote the music and lyrics for the musical Charlie's Aunt. Jack Daniels. Nope. His 1949 song "Baby It's Cold Outside" won the Oscar for Best Original Song. Yeah, it's it, a good song. In 1950, he wrote his the musical "Guys and Dolls." Oh, Frank Lesser. Frank Lesser. Yes, very good. About Lowe's time. It. I found it's pronounced Lesser. Okay, whatever. Uh, I went online. Lesser Lowe's. I remember his fucking name. What more does he want for my life? And then his 1961 musical, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, yeah. won, won seven Tonys, including Best Musical, Best Composer, Best Musical Theater Album, and it also won the Pulitzer Prize for, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Okay. And then he died of lung cancer at age 59. Really? Yeah, he was, a, he was a heavy young. smoker. That's young. Right? Very young. Yeah, at the age of 59 in 1969. Wow. I'm yeah. So, to Frank Lesser, we say... And if that doesn't make you sit bolt upright on your grave, I don't know what will. <laughs> oh, well, now we know what that sound means. It's time for Today in History. Okay, so... I think you should do every segment section in yes. a different character voice. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you think that'll add to the entertainment value? Oh, endlessly. <laughs> For me, endlessly. <laughs> so we're we're doing look back at the clock. What? Uh, yes, we're today in history. It's today in history, June 29th in the year sixteen twenty six. Oh God, let me think. All right, uh, it's not coming. We'll put it this way: Jamestown was found was a colony founded in North America in sixteen oh seven. It didn't didn't go good for them. Jamestown it lasted. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking of the other colony before that one, the Lost Colony, Roanoke. Roanoke. Yes. But Jamestown was the first permanent English colony in North America. Virginia. Yep. Okay. That's, that was 1607. But today we're talking about 1626. And on this day, Pope Urban VIII granted permission to a woman named Catalina de Arauso to continue wearing men's clothes and living as a man. I heard about this. She was born in the Basque region of Spain in the 1580s or 1590s. She was the daughter of a captain in the king's army. She was trained at an early age in the art of warfare. At age four, she was sent to a convent, but later on she refused to take vows as a nun and she was kept uh, basically imprisoned there. But at age 15, she escaped from the convent. Prior to escaping, she made herself a set of boys' clothes, and after her escape, she cut her hair, and she looked like a boy, and she adopted the name of Francisco de Francisco de Loyola. She later went on to serve for seven months as a page to the king's secretary. She later found employment as a ship's cabin boy and sailed to America in 1603. She engaged in various exploits in Venezuela and Peru, in, including defeating a Dutch pirate fleet. She later became a conquistador in the Spanish conquest of Chile, and she became known for her cruelty against the native peoples. That bitch. During all these exploits, she found time to kill her uncle and her brother. Oh, well, sometimes. And, and they didn't know it was her. She was still dressed as a man, and she, 
get him, get him, well, get him you, education. You, I'm assuming now that she is just living life full out as this Fernando guy. Yes, she was. But in 1623, she was arrested in Peru, but to avoid being executed, she revealed that she was actually a woman. She was given protection by the Catholic Church, and she was sent back to Spain, and that's when she later met up with Pope Urban VIII, and he gave her permission to continue living as a man. Because what the fuck did it matter to Urban? Right? What does he care? So anyway, in 1630, she sailed back to what is now Veracruz, Mexico. Why? And no, she set why? a business there as a muleteer, and she died there around 1650. That's sad. That she had quite a life. Yeah. How many uh, women had a life like that? Uh, None. <laughs> yeah, I would say quite uh, Because she, she chose to live as a man. Just a few. Right? I bet a whole lot of them thought about it. I bet a whole lot of them wished they could. Right. Well, yeah, but, she did. Uh, Supposedly, because, because there's an autobiography that she, she supposedly wrote, but they think it may be, actually be fake or whatever. But she said that she actually used some kind of ointment to, like, dry her breasts up. And according to the historical records, the only recorded affairs that she had were with women. I love the word ointment. Ointment is yeah. a great word, right? Do we know how big her dick was? She didn't have one. She wasn't transgender in that, in that physical sense. You know? I, I, you're taking me a little too literally, I well, think, counselor. <laughs> Oh, am I now? Unclench thy ass. Oh, <laughs> fucking sit on your head with my unclenched ass. Oh, oh, my God. You heard him. If I turn up tomorrow dead, you'll know why. But it's now, we now move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Yes, it's what day is it? Yeah, I'm going to sing that song all day tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be stuck in your head, all right? All day. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. So, you know what today is? Today is day 180. Well, that also, but it's also National Hug Holiday Day. So this is two segments in the same episode that I cannot participate in. <laughs> what, you are not a hugger? I refuse to participate in this. Oh. No, this is, this is, you're doing it just now to like, 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 like annoy me. <laughs> Why would you ever think that? Because you ask that question in that voice as proof to my argument. <laughs> there, uh, may be, there may be a little truth to that. Uh, who are we hugging today? It's just everybody. Everybody's hugging. It's just hug, go out and hug somebody today. Are National Hug Holiday Day was created to remind people to give an extra special hug to someone who is having a bad day, is sick, lonely, sad, or elderly. This simple act will bring love and warmth to a person in need. Or an assault charge on your record. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I'm so sorry you don't like hugs. You don't like stop kissing. It. You don't like hugs. No, stop it. Wow, you must be a fun date. And do you see now why, for the past 20-some years, <laughs> I have been single? I'm alive. <laughs> Evidently. Uh, evidently. I'm easier as far as I'm concerned. Go oh ahead. my god. But today is also, you might like this holiday. Alright. It's National Waffle Iron Day. Okay. See now, okay. Waffle Iron. Alright. Do you like waffle irons? Uh, yeah. Do you own a waffle iron? No, I don't no. eat waffles. You what? I don't eat waffles. You don't eat waffles? I, I mean, I eat waffles. I don't okay. prepare waffles. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, a waffle line. You know why? Because it's like um, an advancement on something. Uh, it, it filled a need. It it was a very uh, niche sort of thing. It filled you. Uh, I want to make waffles, but I had to. Uh, so yeah, how does the baker do it? How did that? Yeah, I like the idea of a waffle maker. I do. I do. I find it democratic. You find it democratic. I do. 
Yeah, now anybody can make a fucking waffle. Yes, anybody can make a waffle with a waffle maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want to, iron. good for you. Yes. I feel the same way about those crepe things. Oh, those crepe makers? Yeah, yeah. I, I've never, I don't think we have one of those. I don't, think Steven's, uh, no, ever, I don't think Steven's ever tried to make a crepe. Yeah. Well, yeah. It would be right okay. up Stephen's alley, though, because it's a high-tension thing. It's all about, like, timing and depth. Mm-hmm. And these are things that Stephen excels at. Yes, he does. So, um, I, I would think he would be good at crepes. I know he's good at waffles. He's good at greater pancakes. Okay. <laughs> good for you. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so, happy I, National I, Waffle Iron Day. National Waffle Iron Day. Yes. I, 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 now, mind you, if this was a different Wednesday or if I was in a different mood on this this Wednesday, yes. that would have totally driven me insane. Why is that? National Waffle Iron Day. You don't appreciate the glory of the waffle iron? No, no, I do. Okay, I just think that it, you don't think it's you don't think it's right that they pick one day out of the entire year. Why not waffle to pay a iron small or... tribute to the waffle iron? Let me ask you a question: how how mundane in invention and and human like is there a national vacuum cleaner day? Is I'm there sure there is. If we look, you know, I'm sure we can find one. Top on bottom washing machine day. <laughs> Maybe like, there is open front refrigerator day. Right? Yeah, no, stop it with these things. It's, it's just, uh, but I love it. I love it because it's so, like, somebody found something so, like, trivial we to need celebrate. to celebrate this. This fucking thing is awesome, and we need to celebrate. Yeah. And I like that. Cool. Like Great. And the good thing about these holidays is, yes. I don't got to decorate. No. I don't got to, and it's not really buy a holiday. gift. I don't got to buy a gift. I don't got to go see nobody. All I got to do is say, you know what? I love my fucking waffle iron. Bam! <laughs> Celebrate it. Yeah. Party on. We now move on to our next segment. Thank God. Which is Turn Your Head and Cough. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, get I got the, a little bit lighthead. Get the coroner, Jesus. Get a little buzzing again. Uh, right, you flay your face turned like all this like, bluish red. Yeah. Bluish red. That's purple. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. that's it. Is that, do you think that when you look at somebody and they're purple, that you shouldn't say, "Hey, Tommy, you look purple." Are you okay? <laughs> well, it faded, thank God. Okay, I'm back to my regular doughy sort of. Yes, now you're back to your regular dough face. Flesh, <laughs> flesh colored. Anyway, we have an update on something we discussed a few weeks ago: monkeypox. Oh, I heard about this today. Yes, yesterday the Biden administration announced an enhanced nationwide vaccination strategy to curb the spread of monkeypox. The Department of Health and Human Services will make 296,000 doses available in the coming weeks. Who should get them? Within that amount, will the 56,000 doses will be made available immediately and expect a total of 1.6 million million doses to be available by the end of the year. Right now, there are 5,000 cases worldwide. In the United States, there are now more than 300 confirmed cases. In the state of New York, there are 69 confirmed cases. 62 of them are in New York City. The remainder are in four upstate counties. They said because there's a lack of testing for monkeypox, that the outbreak is probably bigger than what the case numbers suggest right now. The good sign is that there have been no reported deaths during this outbreak. Oh, we don't want... Could you imagine you died of monkeypox? Yep, I know, really? It's like... You died on monkeypox? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How embarrassing. Yeah. But as to your question as to who's getting it, right now the primary at-risk group that it seems to be getting are men who are having sex with men. Okay, so not me. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess you're in the clear okay. then. Whoosh. But I, I seem to recall that when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, that 
a lot of these outbreaks were occurring where there were these oh, right, the, the gay circuit parties and stuff and parties, right. things of that nature. Right, right. Well, has there been a circus circle circuit circuit circuit, circuit party recently in the New York area? Okay, now that I've said it, not that I'm aware of. No, in. well, you wouldn't be aware of it because you're a hundred <laughs> and you're not invited. <laughs> Ask a hot 22-year-old when he was at a last circuit party, he'll tell you. Yeah, right, please. <sighs> anyway, monkeypox was spread through direct contact. The last one was in October. Sorry, I'm just saying that. Okay. I was there. So, just. so it's spread through direct contact with infectious rashes or infectious fluids, including respiratory droplets and oral fluids. This goes back to my I'm grossed out by spit. <laughs> See, now you have a good reason. Monkeypox. No, no swapping spit for me. I don't want monkeypox. Disgusting. However, the virus might also linger on clothing or surfaces. Oh, shit. Researchers are currently investigating whether it can spread from people without symptoms or if it can be spread through bodily fluids like semen or vaginal discharge. What about blood? Uh, right now, there doesn't seem to be. They're not, they're not talking about blood. Right now, they're just talking about respiratory droplets and oral fluids what about the, the and direct physical contact. I don't think you have to worry about that. I don't think that's a symptom of uh, this. Okay. There are no... I'm trying to think of all the fluids. There are no treatments for this developed exactly for monkeypox, okay. but they are using antiviral uh, treatments for it right okay. now. So that's how it's being addressed. As we said, the at-risk group are men having sex with men, but also children under eight, the elderly, pregnant people, and those with weakened immune systems. Oh, great. Right? That's just what we prefer. That's just what the right needs. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the symptoms are rashes, bumps, or blisters on or around the genitals or in other areas like your hands, feet, chest, or face. You may also feel flu-like symptoms such as fever, headache, muscle aches, chills, and fatigue. They may occur either before or after a rash appears or not at all. It's like you're auditioning for a voiceover on a PSA. <laughs> I'm just relaying the information okay. here. It's very important information. It is, and it's important that it be delivered in a very clear, distinct, rational-sounding voice. Which is what I just did. Yes, I know, and I mentioned it. Okay. And now here we are, because you couldn't just say, yeah, and move on. Mm-hmm. You got a problem with that? Blame me. <laughs> but anyway, men, I would suggest that if you're going somewhere, when you're deciding to have sex with a stranger, ask them maybe where they've been in the past six months. Oh, don't ask them that. Or if they have any, they have any rashes on their bodies. Hi, my name's Tommy. Where have you been in the last couple of years? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love another beer. How much, uh, how much fucking have you been doing, huh? <laughs> you know the guys or no? Well, so, uh, Do you have uh, any blisters on your balls? Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to look at your hands, <laughs> your balls, and um, bumps. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to see for bumps, but yeah, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay, yeah. Here we go. Ah, uh, well, we now move on to our next segment, which, of course, is a look into to my, my briefs. Brings me pleasure. I knew it would. There's a lot here, isn't There's there? a lot, but we're going to start with the, well, the first decision that came down earlier this week, and it's about a case that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Well, it can only be Roe versus Wade. Nope. Oh, this is the thing with the thing. Yes, the thing with the thing. Exactly. I remember. No. And then the thing came, and then the other thing happened. And what's her face said something stupid. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Okay, but now, now this is the case of, remember a few weeks ago we discussed the football coach? 
who decide to hold prayers on the yeah. uh, foot on the football field yeah, after yeah, the games. Yeah. Well, the Supreme Court ruled in his favor because, of course, they did. And they, uh, it's uh, it's for those of you who don't know, it's about this football coach who, at the end of his games. Why are you yelling? I don't know. Oh, was leading a prayer of thanks, I guess, for their game or whatever. And what we what came out, of course, is this became more of a public display that the school had offered to accommodate him by allowing him to pray off the field somewhere in a, in a more private setting. He refused that. And this became such a public thing that at one point there was a rush onto the football field in which a number of students were injured. And eventually, because he didn't stop with the prayers, so the school let him go eventually. So then he brought a lawsuit, of course. And, and now it's arrived before the Supreme, the, Court. Supreme Court. Imagine that. So the Supreme Court basically said that the uh, that they that they violated his First Amendment right of free speech and also his uh, rights under the free exercise clause. Okay. The problem is, I read the decision because it was written by Justice Neil Gorsuch. He basically ignored the facts of the case. He ignored the facts that students had reported to their parents who complained to the school that they felt coerced into participating in these prayers. They felt what? They felt coerced. 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 Right. Pressured into participating Pressured. in these right. prayers. Okay. And they felt that they didn't participate. It would reflect on whether they were going to play or not on, on the team. Yeah, 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 of course. And like I said, this was not, it became a public thing, like I said, where the public was rushing onto the field at one point, you know? This was not a private act of prayer that he was doing. It became a spectacle. But they didn't care, the Supreme Court. It was, a, I think, a, I believe it was a either 5-4 or 6-3 decision. Previously, what the, what the rule was on something like this was whether or not a reasonable observer would view, would view the action of the school as endorsing religion. That was the test. Now the test is they're going to refer now to historical practices and understanding by asking what the founding fathers would have thought. So they just want to re rely on what's the historical background for this. And it doesn't look good. Yeah, I, well, it's like I said. He just he cherry picked the facts on this case to suit the decision that they wanted to arrive at, right. which is basically now to allow school officials to engage in prayer. Because part of what they're saying is, well, he, you know, the game was over. He, just because the game was over doesn't mean his job as a coach was over. Right. You know? He's still there in charge of his team. Until everyone goes home from that, he's still there in charge. That's right. And you're allowing him now, as a school official now, to engage in his public prayer now. Yes. They said yes. Yeah, they said yes to this. It's going to be, uh, yeah, you're going, you're, going, you're going toward a Christian Taliban thing here. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, as the dissents... The judges and their dissent said we're just further weakening that separation between the church and state. The, how far is it going to go before it matters? To I mean, what's going to happen when they have a Muslim coach who, at the end of the games well, now, you know, is going to want to break out his uh, prayer shawl on the field and bow to Mecca and yeah, do his that's, prayers? That's, what's going to happen when that happens? Or the, or the Jewish guy, or the Hindu guy, or mm -hmm. the Buddhist chant. Or, yeah, I mean, that's all. You ask the question, and you mean it, and it's important, but you don't expect an answer because the answer is not to be said out loud. Yeah. So that's just the way we've chosen to live, or the majority of us have chosen to live, or the majority, or the minority of us who have planned so well and arranged a situation where now with the Supreme Court, you're bulletproof. Well, that was always the thought that, you know, if you knew the Supreme Court was going to like uphold it or be on your side or whatever, and now they have it. Yeah. Now they, and there is, there is 
very little we can do about it until they start dying off. Basically. Or somebody grows enough balls to say, remember when you said at your confirmation hearing? Yeah. Well, that was a lie because a well, year well, that's later. Gonna, that's going to lead us in now into our next topic, which of course is the case of Dobbs v. Jackson, which overturned Roe v. Wade uh-huh. and also the Casey decision. And that's one of the first things I want to talk about is you had three justices, at the, the last three justices at their confirmation hearings saying how they respected and upheld the principle of stare decisis, how they respected Roe v. Wade as being starry, as being valid legal precedent, but at the first opportunity they get, they sign off on overturning it. And people are asking, and rightly so, didn't they commit perjury? Yeah. Yeah, they did. But you like, what's the precedent for prosecutor or chasing after that? Is there a precedent? Now, I know that Supreme Court justices have been impeached. impeached in the past, yes. Okay, what is the process for that? What were the reasons for that? Why would, you know, like, hello, do you, everybody sees this, right? Because everybody's yes. saying the same goddamn thing. Yep. What happens now? Do, who does it? Yeah. It well, it was it, it's it, impeachment is handled the same way as a presidential impeachment is handled. It would originate in the House. What I'm saying and is, then tried in the Senate. So who's we see it? There it is. So now who's the guy? Who do we got at Nancy? Is it you? If it's not you, who's it? John, John Rabbit's over there. Do you pick this one up or who's responsible for charge? You know who it is? It's Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland is responsible for all of this. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's the Justice Department. Yeah, I know who he is. That has nothing to do with the impeachment of a Supreme Court justice. No, but it's... That is handled by the Congress. By the Congress. And we all know what they can do. But what I'm talking about now, who's the grown-up who's going to go after all the felons and all the people doing the stuff, and it's Merrick Garland. Well, what are you talking about? Going Um, after who? Go... Never mind. Never mind. Can we stick on this topic, please? Sure, sure, sure. sure. I thought we're on this topic. I'm with you. Yeah, it's the Supreme Court. Yeah, you're moving on uh, something else which you can discuss later. Of course. Let's stay with this. Yeah. But no, we're back on the Dobbs case. No. You know what it was? It was the perjury. Who prosecutes perjury? Depending on where it was committed. No, it's done by the the, the criminal prosecutors. Let's say say it was you, you committed perjury during your Supreme Court hearings in front of the Senate. Right. Who has jurisdiction over charging for that? Who presses charges for that? It would be the Justice Department. Run currently by Merrick Garland. Thank you. But that's not going to happen. Okay, I don't care whether or not it happens. Because they're going to. My concern right now is justifying my argument that you, to borrow an expression, poo pooed. <laughs> it would never happen under Merrick Garland. I don't think it would happen under any attorney general that they would defer to Congress to handling it, to removing them by impeachment. That's my honest opinion on it. I, I would, the Justice Department would never pursue it. I, I don't disagree with you, but what I'm what I'm saying is that who is the party responsible for holding people responsible for committing perjury in front of the well, United all States criminal offenses Senate? Are, all federal criminal offenses are handled by the Justice Department. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Merrick Garland. But it'll never happen. I'm just telling you, it'll never happen. I agree with you that <laughs> that it will never happen. Okay? Under any any AG. The why of that, I don't even want to get into. Because, like I said, any head of the Justice Department is going to defer to Congress that this person committed a crime that's an impeachable offense. 
they're going to let Congress take the lead on that first. Okay. I, I honestly I, I honestly believe that's what would happen. What is Congress's role in that? So so hold on. If you come to the Congress and lie, you 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 impugn yourself, well perjure yourself yes. in front of any committee of the United States Congress, either house. Yes. Okay. So you do that and the Congress yes. says, "Bitch, you did it," and the Justice Department can prove that you did it. Right. So the Justice Department is going to come after you. Yes. And the Justice Department is going to say, no, we're going to let Congress deal with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, no, no, you, you I'm are only saying and con- impatient. No. And, I, and what to I, me, it no, makes perfect I'm sense. I'm saying that the Justice Department would defer to Congress on it because it deals with federal judges. That's Congress's power to handle, is the regulation of federal judges. And that includes the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay. So, therefore, what I'm saying is is that in all likelihood, if a judge was found guilty, was found determined to be lying while he was under oath, that they would defer first to Congress on handling it before they would do anything at all, if they did anything at all. But that's a, that's a, that seems to me a political way of handling it, okay? To me, pa, pa, uh, this is a legal issue, and legal is not really strong in the gray area. You know, things are or they aren't, okay? So, to me, it seems as though if everybody's equal under the same justice system... I know, but I'm just telling you, look, at, be realistic about it. I'm not being... I'm you're not no, you're pro- projecting like, it should be this. Yes, we know it should be this. No, I, but you know what? It's not gonna happen. And I want to know why. I want to know why. If somebody stood up and said, if somebody in Palace or the attorney at Maricola stood up and said, there are two different justice systems, one for us... And one for the rest of you garbage, I would say, thank you, at least I know. Now, give me a pitchfork, because I'm going to go stab that motherfucker in the face. But, at least, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, be honest with me. Don't, mm, now I sound like Pollyanna, and that's not how I mean to come across. Because my eyes are not pie in the sky, okay? I'm not looking at a, at a through rose-colored lenses. I, I know, I know, but I want to know, I want somebody to say it. I do. I want somebody to say it. But say what? That there are two different justice systems. Because the only reason they're not going in... Why, the, the the reason why, if a crime was... Okay. What's his name? Gorsuch. Lied about his, about his belief in settled law. Yes. He got nominated. He got elected. He was in. It was perjury. We know it was perjury because within months he voted the other way. Okay. So we have the case against Gorsuch. So the Justice Department is now supposed to swoop in and say, bitch, you lied in front of Congress. We know you lied in front of Congress. Here's the proof we have. And we're going to, we're going to pursue these charges thusly. Okay. That's not going to happen. And that's not going to happen because of a political reason. It's not not going to happen because of a legal reason. The legal reason for it to happen is strong. What's evidently stronger, and again, I don't mean to sound naive, is the political. What I resent is the fact that it's done so blatantly and so bl- so so with confidence in front of me that you'll just shut up and deal with it. The that pol- bothers me. The- the savvy move to do is to defer to Congress because you forget the Justice Department is part of the executive branch of government. So it's a reflection on that chief executive, the president. So a perse- a prosecution by a president's Justice Department of a Supreme Court justice while he's still sitting on the bench or any federal judge could be seen 
as a political prosecution. Despite its legal merits but, or not. But are we not a nation of laws? Oh, shut up. But by deferring to Congress, it takes it out of that political calculation. You're being very patient with me. Yes, I am. And up until that second, I appreciated it. I'm very much trying to play a devil's advocate. Yes, I know. But let's move on because this is getting boring now. One of the things that's come up after this decision now is the idea of states trying to criminalize travel to other states where abortion is allowed. What the fuck is that? Oh, you haven't heard that? No, of course I've heard it. Those those ideas are now being contemplated in various state legislatures. Well, the problem is it could be seen as a violation of the privileges and immunities clause of the 14th Amendment, which states, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. What is their use for trying to make that law? What are they basing it on? What is their precedent? When they come and say, we're not going to allow you, if you we find out you're traveling... What, what is the basis for that? Well, the thing is, the right to travel is considered a fundamental right under the court's interpretation of the U.S. Constitution, even though the right to travel is not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. But these, these... But they're saying that it's protected by the Privileges and Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment. Do you understand? I, I understand all the words. I'm not word familiar with the 14th Amendment. Okay. Okay. So so you could just go ahead, take the opportunity to jump in and explain the whole thing. But let's just say that states will probably have a hard time trying to criminalize women traveling to other states for abortions. Right. My question was, on what grounds were they trying to do that? What do you mean? What were they using as grounds to say, well, you're not allowed and this is why we can say so? That I, don't, I did not look at the case history on the right it to travel. It just seems like a very big, it's like grounding a kid. Well, the right to travel is considered a universal right that you should be able to travel where you want unimpeded in any way. Yeah, that was the argument against it. I was asking what the argument was for it. Like, what are they basing their argument? Well, the Constitution says that we can tell you you can't go from Nassau to Suffolk because it's raining. Like, like is what's their what are they hinging their argument on? Well, that gets well. It's partly based on the whole issue of what they call substantive due process substantive due process okay which states that basically that certain natural fundamental rights emanate basically from our interpretation of the due process clause of the 14th amendment that the 14th amendment doesn't just protect the procedures the procedural law it also protects the substantive right at question as well okay Now, everyone's having a big hissy fit, and rightly so, because good old Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion. Oh, this was brilliant. And this is what he said. He goes, Substantive due process is an oxymoron that lacks any basis in the Constitution. For that reason, in future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents including Griswold, which protects the right to contraception, Lawrence, which found that guaranteed the right to same-sex relations, and Obergefell, I can never pronounce this guy's name right, Obergefell, uh, whatever. Listen to last week's episode. Obergefell, that's it, Obergefell, it's pronounced Obergefell, which granted the right of same-sex marriage to uh, same-sex couples. Okay, so he says these things when I were coming after you. Yeah, he writes, because any substantive due process decision is demonstrably erroneous 
erroneous, we have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. Okay, you're going to talk about Loving versus Virginia now. Well, that's the thing. I you know I just I, I knew all this, but I want to make sure. Now, the Supreme Court has previously recognized the following rights as being fundamental, even though they are not enumerated in the U.S. Constitution. And they are. The right to interstate travel. That's right. The right to parent one's children. Okay. The right of self-defense. Okay. The right to marriage. Oh, okay. And the right to privacy. Okay. That sounds reasonable. And in making these determinations, the court looks at whether the root is so rooted in the traditions and conscience of our people as to be ranked as fundamental. Okay, so everybody just, we always knew this. Yes. This is the way it's always been. What you do behind your closed doors, none of my business. So if we take the case of Loving v. Virginia. Loving v. Virginia. If I don't think that interracial marriage was so rooted in traditions and conscience of the American people. That it should have been assumed. Exactly. But because of the the... Uh, uh, the marriage thing. Well, because of the Equal Protection Clause also, but also they said they relied on substantive due process substantive to defend the process. right to interracial marriage. That's right. And they didn't was, like that right? shit before then. But like I say, Clarence Thomas and a lot of conservatives want to basically do away with the whole concept of substantive due process. Okay. And that would mean wiping out the right of privacy as right, well. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's 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 American Taliban. It's Christian Taliban. Yeah. It's it's scary. It's Christian Taliban. I mean, this is like this is the first time in American history that a right has been rescinded by the Supreme Court. Every, this has never happened before. Every single woman that I pass, every single day in the car, in the shopping center, picking out cucumber, she has less rights than I do. Yeah. Every single girl I pass, she has... Every single one of them has less rights than I do. But right now, it's like, which of my rights is going to be next on the chopping block? Oh, oh you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, is my right to is my right to marriage not going to be recognized by I the federal what, government in you, the future? You, you know, pretty, if, if if writing on Clarence Thomas because he's the one who wrote. Oh, and opinion. we can go after these things yeah, now, and of course, too. no one else joined him in that opinion. No, but it's in, which is interesting. Uh, because in the Leto's decision, when he wrote, because he wrote the majority decision, and he said, "We don't want you to think that this gives you grounds to overrule the other rights that have been enumerated in the past on the same grounds." What's differentiating is this: is that this case it deals with unborn life. That's how he's differentiating differentiating it. Um, no, I want to chew on something. Yes. I want to chew on the hypocrisy of somebody who has benefited from this substantive due process. Due process. Yes. To go after the substantive due process. Yes. And I want to know how far he's willing to go. Is he willing to go as far as his own benefit, his ability to marry that woman? Well, you'll you'll notice that in his concurring opinion, that's the one case he did not mention was Loving v. Virginia. And I want that rubbed in he his face. He didn't mention that. I want his nose rubbed in that. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So uh, now you can continue well, with Well, I just, I was just going to say that this seems like to me like his revenge for his perceived treatment at his confirmation hearing. Tell me a moment where that woman was wrong. No, she wasn't. But they chose not to believe her. Because women back then were treated even shittier than they're treated now. So you're <laughs> saying that as revenge for the way he was treated by a woman back at the, his confirmation hearing, that he is now taking revenge on all women? I think he's taking revenge on the whole liberal establishment as he views it. Remember, he referred to... He this, came that he, way. He, he referred to the hearing at that one point as a high-tech lynching. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, he 
but that's what I'm saying. He came from it from that point. Yeah. So so it's hard to blame his whole thing, his whole energy, his whole vibe, as the kids say, right on that incident. I know because he was a douchebag when he was nominated. That's mm-hmm. why he was nominated. Everybody knew he was a douche. Well, no, nobody knew he was, he was a conservative, a but he was a black, and he was, he was replacing Thurgood Marshall, married to a white woman, replacing Thurgood Marshall. He was exactly <laughs> the right guy, and then this woman happened. What was her name? Uh, Anita Hill. Anita Hill. And God, what they did. And unfortunately, because she was the only one they produced, there were other women. Of course, there. there and they were... didn't bring them up, and I, that was that was a big mistake. How big a restaurant you think you could fill with those who are, who accused Cosby? Oh, please. Or right? Trump. I know. Yeah, so stay tuned. We'll see what happens to the rest of our rights in the near future, I guess. It doesn't look good, though. No, it doesn't. It does it not look good look at good. all. It looks very, very dark for and us. And how funny would it be if Ginny was the one that sank him? That who? It'll never... Oh, I know. His wife. Yeah, the whole one six thing. She's a crazy person. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I know. But that's a whole other issue. She, yeah, she's out there. But we also want to pay tribute to retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. We'll miss you, Stevie. Who will be stepping down as of noon on Thursday, tomorrow. And I can't wait for the next Supreme Court picture. Yes, uh, Miss Katanji Braxton Jaron Jackson. What's very funny is I was looking at the history and stuff. Breyer was confirmed back in 1994 by a vote of 87 to 9. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, she was confirmed by a vote of 53 to 47. That's how much things have changed in 30 years. And if you look back at most of the Supreme Court votes, there Most of them have been large majorities. Yeah. It's only been, like I said, in the last 30 years that it's gotten like this, you know? I wonder if anybody has ever studied the history of the Supreme Court nomination. Oh, of course uh, they have. I'm sure they have. You think they have? Oh, definitely. You think there's somebody that nerdy just sitting there saying, well, in 1986? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Most definitely. Okay. But, uh... How do we get them to tell us? What do you mean? I want that information. Well, you can probably look it up on the internet. Go ahead. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Yes, it's time for the Week in Fascism. It's kind of hard to separate one segment from the next, isn't it? I mean... (laughs) All of the look into my briefs were about the fascism. I know. Yeah, in a matter of speaking. Where, where are yeah. we going now? Now we're going to the 1-6 hearing. Oh. And the most recent one, which was on, was it yesterday, of Cassidy Hutchinson. Devastating. One day there will be statues of Cassidy Hutchinson. <laughs> well, in, I don't know about that. In but... libraries. No, come on. Come <laughs> she on, did a very what brave she thing. she did. She did a very brave, people don't, don't realize, she was under death threats. And she will be for the rest you know? of her life. And the thing is, this wasn't like she was like a turncoat moderate Republican. She was an intern for Ted Cruz at one point. She you know? was out of college. She was a dying in the wool, blue state, you know, red state Republican. You know, she really was. Yes, and she wanted. She felt bad. You could tell that she felt bad about doing it because she wanted to make sure that everybody knew that she believed in the good things that Trump had accomplished while he was there. Yeah. She didn't fucking say any, but whatever. I know, that's uh, all uh, it uh, uh, What's her name? Tiffany? Brittany? Cassidy. Cassidy. Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. She did something amazing. She yeah. Did, and what she said was fucked up. Well, the, the whole thing that came out, and number one, that they knew, Trump, and they all knew that the crowd had weapons. They were wrong. That they were, uh, Trump wanted to remove the magnetometers at the rally before the riot so that they could get into his rally. You know, it was amazing. Knowing that they were going to be going to the Capitol afterwards. Because he was going to send them there. Yeah. The coolest part was 
when they described how they knew that there were guns in the crowd. Like, like the Secret yeah. Service knew everything a half hour ago. What you're just finding out... We, we, the well, like Giuliani did, telling her, oh, it's gonna, January 6th is going to be a bad day or whatever. You know, uh, the chief of staff saying basically the same thing. You know, wait till see what happens on January 6th. But anyway, we were talking about the fact that Trump and company knew that the crowd had weapons... And didn't care. They're not here for me. They're not gonna. They're not here to hurt me. They're not gonna hurt me. What was his quote? Yeah, that, that was basically it. You know, they'll, they'll take the they'll, take, they'll get rid of the fucking magnetometers, the mags. They were called. Right. They said they're not trying to hurt me. Right. Because he knew why they were there. Come on. And then the the, the post about Pence. Uh, his his thing about Pence. Well, yeah, that whole thing about with Pence. I mean, it's just like, come on. You know what the crowd was trying to do. After you sent that tweet out, you knew what the crowd was doing. And that then you did sat, nothing. And you're going to be cajoled into finally making a statement to tell people to go home. That girl sat in a place physically where if he wanted to go talk to him, they had to pass her. And if she was going back over there to relate that information from him, they had to pass her. She was in the middle of everything. Yeah. And beyond, like physically physically in the middle of things yeah and her view seemed to be such that she could see things that maybe she couldn't hear yeah yes i saw those two together but i couldn't hear what they were saying because i was listening to this thing that was happening over here so she was in that type of position yeah and she's 26 years old at the time Something this is yeah. happening yeah she had just turned 26 yeah um at the time this was happening, she had she was out of college two years. She was 24 years old. Here she is in the middle of this thing. Yeah. And she believes in these people. Yeah. She supports them. Of course she's she does. happy to work for them. She's in the middle. And yes, and Yahoo, and where's my red cap? And then she says, Wow, hold the fuck up. Right. What is going on? This is too crazy. And she goes to her boss, the chief of staff of the United States. Yeah. And says to him, Chief, are you watching the TV? Do you see what's happening? I know, right? He was, as best could be described, as inert. Matthew Robinson, Richard Peterson, uh, Michael Robertson. What's his name? I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, he was he the was, chief of staff. The chief of staff. What's funny though is now the media is like harping so much on the steering wheel story and the fact now that these two secret service agents are saying, "Well, that never happened. We never said that." To expect the secret service to reveal that story is too much. Well, I mean, number one, like the, like her attorney said, "Let them come testify under oath and and, and say right. that." Let them deny. Let them yeah, right now they're saying a lot not under oath. Right. And from all the things that I've read, these two Secret Service agents, they were, they were far up his ass. The one was the one at right. one point, the one who supposedly told the story to Hutchinson was, I think, at one point, like a temporary deputy chief of staff at one point. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had promoted one of his bodyguard to a much higher position. Yeah. I don't know what... I know that the guy who was with him at the moment, whose name I don't remember, was a loyalist. Right, yeah. So, so these, these guys are on his side. They were so also yeah. supporting him politically. They've been on his side all along. They believe in him. Yeah, but like the media is like so quick to jump on this. Like, oh, there's a hole in her story. If she's lying, if she's wrong about this, what else is she wrong about? You know? I don't think she's wrong. I don't think so either. She has no, she has, to me, she has no motive to lie. No. And she has every motive to, to keep her fucking mouth shut yeah. and live her life. And yet she chose this. I see it as like 
you know how you sit around at work and you, you got that one guy leaning on the corner and yeah. you're having a cup of coffee and you're all sitting by, you know, Elizabeth's desk and you're all just <laughs> chatting away and you all have different jobs and you're all sharing how, okay? That's how I see that particular exchange, the way she found out about his behavior right. in the car. Yeah. It wasn't the beast. In the beast, I don't think he has the capability. I don't think anybody could lunge from the back seat to the front seat in the beast. There's also an SUV that's at his disposal. Yeah. And I think based on it, I heard this from the news, based on the crowd. Well, they showed no, they showed the vehicle that he left in. It was the beast. It was it was I, I think it was the SUV. It was the beast, I think. I, I don't I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It does matter because whether or not it doesn't. Well whether or not it's not an impeachable offense what he did. That's all I care about. But if he if he couldn't physically do it because of the nature of the vehicle that was sitting in, then it becomes what her what she says becomes becomes questionable. If it's not possible, I know. I think it's a distraction. The whole thing. It might be. I'm I think it's a minor distraction. I'm just. I'll click on every piece of click. I'm more concerned about what what was it, Mary Cheney at the end of that hearing when she brought forth the uh, the messages and made accusations of witness tampering and obstruction of justice. Yeah, that was those are real criminal offenses. And those they can nail him on. That's what they nailed Nixon on, was obstruction of justice. These guys are not fucking around. The cover-up is always worse than the crime, you know? They're not fucking around. And now and, and now Mary Cheney, I have to say, she has made... Oh, I'm sorry, it's Liz Cheney. It's Liz, Liz Cheney. Cheney. Mary Cheney's the lesbian sister. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, you didn't know that? I knew that Dick Cheney had a lesbian child. I didn't know that they were old enough to serve him in Congress. Oh, yeah. To me, everybody's still 12. <laughs> like Chelsea Clinton, I'm horrified she has children. Like, that's just crazy to me. Oh, yeah, I know, right? We knew her when she was just, uh, that ugly, kid. That, I, I hesitate to say ugly. Unfortunate-looking, awkward. She's a kid. Come on, you know? A 12-year-old. Were any of us... A 12-year-old girl. Please. Oh, my God. When I look, look at my pictures from back that, those times, ugh. I was geeky-looking. Yeah, have you have you have you been to the cave to see the wall paintings? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Okay, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been. Mm. Anyway, picture me and for that for that moment in that picture, I don't know what it was—the alignment of the moon and the camera—and and I was gorgeous. I was fucking gorgeous. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Galaxy I, far, far away. In my estimate, it would—I would say it was a Sunday at three fifteen. Like that's—that <laughs> was the moment that I was fucking gorgeous. But yeah, talk about old pictures. That's what I saw. But anyway, lastly on this whole issue of one six, all these people who asked for pardons. It's hilarious. It's not only hilarious, but the ones who are serving in Congress, they should fucking resign. Now, here's another. Now, are you being Pollyanna? I agree with you. They should resign. They should Who's fucking make resign? them resign? Who's in You're charge? basically saying, I committed a crime, I asked for a pardon, I didn't get it, and I'm still serving in Congress. And if the people from their district don't say, you need to come home now because we're not happy with you, who's going to make them go away? The Congress. Yeah. There's a separate legal system for them than there is for us. And I don't know why I'm telling this to you. I don't know why you're telling this to me either. You're like nodding over there like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we need to disagree more. 
Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, no, it's just that it's like two fat gay liberal white men living in New York bitching about the same shit that every other fucking liberal is bitching about. So, like, what's to listen to? It just seems to me like there should be something interesting. Well, we're going to move on to our next segment anyway. Is it, I think we've exhausted this topic now. Yes, it is. What's interesting about it? It's the topic that we don't have a music cue for. Oh, I remember this one. Wait. We like to watch. We like to watch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been watching lately? Uh, RuPaul. Of course. What a surprise. RuPaul Espana. And I said it last week, season two, the fucking talent show. Uh, Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. Okay. I I can't find the Mormon thing. What did I tell you it was on? Well, no, you were talking about crimes among the Amish. Amish, right. Yes, I found that program. Where was it? Where was it? And I posted a clip of it from YouTube. It's called the Amish Mafia. No. Does that sound familiar? That's not right. Or were you watching the miniseries... Uh, that sounds right. With Andrew Garfield. No, that's wrong. Playing a Mormon detective. No, no, no. It was and Amish. I have no idea what you were watching. Right, I'm looking for it now. I'm the look- only thing I could find was the Amish Mafia. No, it was Crime Among the Amish. Anyway, uh, I couldn't find it. So I wanted to watch some of that, but I couldn't find it. I watched, what's her name? Brittany Elizabeth Doreen. Who? The girl who testified. Cassidy. I watched Cassidy. Okay. Um, and uh, not much. No? No, not much. Oh, I watched a lot. Actually, we both watched something together. What did we watch? We saw a play together this past weekend. Oh, yeah, we did. We yeah, saw we did. a That's production true. of Clyburn Park at Studio Theater in Lindenhurst. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was actually quite good. I was quite impressed with that. Yeah. Really, well, I had never seen the play before. Me either. I knew what the play was about. I didn't. Okay. But I, was, I thought it was... Really, really well done. What a solid cast it was. It's a good cast. Oh, my God. What a great cast yeah, it was. Yeah. They had one actor there who I'd never seen before named Stephen Clark, who played, in the first act, he played the father uh, or the husband of the house okay. that was being sold. And he was, and then he, later on, he played the, I guess, custodial worker in the building in act two. But he was just amazing in act one as the husband just blew me away how what a good actor he was they were all really good and a friend of mine who was in the cast eric lavelle excelled at playing assholes in both act one and, and act, act two. two well <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> if you need an asshole who are you gonna call clavelle <laughs> No, he he was really good. He I really love, was. I, I love Eric. Eric's and, an excellent actor. I, I had the yeah. pleasure of performing with him. Yeah, I haven't. I've never worked with him. Okay, I, I know Eric. For some reason, for some bizarre fucking reason, I'll never understand. So this happened. Okay. You know how every now and again I refer to Allison? Yes. Okay. So Allison is like Michelle, a friend from way back in the 40 years. Yeah. Okay. I'm at Allison's house, and so is Eric Clavel, okay. and I'm like. The fuck are you doing? Like, no, I don't. This is crazy. I'm not expecting to see you. I'm in a different headspace. Right. I'm at Allison's house. I'm not here to see Eric Clavel. <laughs> so how the fuck do? And I managed, and I was awful. Yes. But I love Eric Clavel. Uh, he's great on stage. Yes. His 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 ass is somehow still amazing. <laughs> yeah, he was great. I I. I didn't know what that show was. It wasn't as shocking. No, it wasn't shocking. I wasn't trying to find it shocking. It, what, it, what it was to me was a very was like interesting idea. White people idea. are really fucking stupid. 
that's what came across to me. The concept. I like the concept of taking the house that the razor, or that raisin in the sun happened in. Yeah. And imagining what happened in that same space 50 years before the events of Raisin in the Sun. And then again, 50 years after the events. Well, no, no, no. That's Raisin not quite that's not quite correct. If Act One takes place in the same year as Raisin in the Sun, and it takes place in the house that the African-American couple buy. So they would sell... Okay. So this is a story that people who sell the house to... Sell them. the house to the African-American. And okay. why they're selling the house. What we hear in that act is... What that act is about is... It's my mistake. What I'm saying is we hear about the last 50 years of that house. Yeah, because then in the, Act in 1. Act, yes. And then in Act 2, before they sell it the goes house. to 2009, which, which is 50 is years later. After they after after the events of, of Raisin in the Sun, yeah. now we're reselling the house. And it's interesting how they made the, the characters connect. It was interesting yes. how, how they displayed how the attitudes had and had not changed yeah. socially. I, I thought it was a very intellectual and intellectually satisfying yeah very storytelling very much so yeah um, was, like I said it was really I thought it was really well done yeah it was really well done and they you don't need to see job. you don't need to see Raisin in the Sun to no, enjoy no, no. this place I don't know that I, I don't know that I've seen Raisin in the Sun I like have I know the story I mean I've seen clips of the movie yeah but that's um, about it Audrey one that's all I know yeah but it was it was good it was really good it was and they they you know I work in the house now right so they were I see everybody they were very pleasant they were always very nice. They were always very sweet. They were quiet. They and Jeff, the director, was he, everything about that production was just it was Jeff Bennett, right? Yeah, everything about that production was just easy and nice and successful. Yeah, because they did they did a really good job. They so, really did. It was outstanding. I uh, yeah, I had never seen it. I was glad to see it. So if you're on Long Island, you get a chance to see it. Yeah, Clyde Park. Big recommendation. Yeah, that. it was Big really thumbs good. up. Really, really good. Yeah. So aside from that, on the television, what did I all watch? Of course, I finished watching the. Obi-Wan Kenobi series on uh, Disney. Of course you did. Because, of course yeah. I did, because that was great, of, of course. course. Obi-Wan Kenobi! Who? Right. Why? You could get better than Kenobi. And it's you, McGregor, who I love. I, okay. <laughs> it seems like a lot to suffer through to see you and McGregor when I could just look at porn, but whatever. <laughs> and then we also binged on the newest season of The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have you watched the Umbrella Academy? I watched this. I watched at least one full season. Okay, uh, it wasn't really for me. Okay, so no. Okay, sorry to hear that. No, no. This, is, this is the third season. We we watched it like three nights. Okay, and it was really really outstanding. I thought it was a good season. I'm not sure everyone's going to be happy with the ending of it. I'm not going to talk about the die? ending. No, I'm not going to talk about what happened in the end. Because you don't do spoilers. But supposedly there are a lot of people who are not happy with the way the series ended. But it's like they're gonna do another season, I'm sure, and things talk are. To, and and by the way, talk to people who were upset about the last season, the last episode, the last season for sure of Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, of course, Those right? People were pissed. Oh no, kidding! Yes, they were, and we had every right to be. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. And also this week, we started watching the second season of Only Murders in the Building. Oh. On Hulu with That's Steve Martin and that. Martin Short and I'm, Selena Gomez. I really wanna. Oh, you gotta watch it. Shirley McLean is on this I, season. I really wanna. Shirley McLean is on. You gotta Everybody's watch it. everywhere all of a sudden. <laughs> There's television everywhere. People right? are on TV. But uh, that's a fun show. It really is it's a fun murder mystery comedy. Yeah. I, I definitely I want uh, to. big I thumbs want up. It's on, on my that. list. Cool. Yeah. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. When I'm playing it, better recover it. <laughs> and the internet is out. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment, which is Psst, 
people saying stupid things. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Oh, yes. Who is it this time? This time, because we've been spotlighting Republicans so much, this time we have a Democratic politician who put his foot in his mouth, so to speak. This could be anybody. This was, yeah, some congressman I never heard of before named Andy Levin from Michigan. Okay. And after the Dobbs v. Jackson decision came down, he tweeted, in a moment of wildly conflicting emotions of intense anger over horrifying Supreme Court decisions with more to come, mixed with gratitude that I was just able to help pass the first meaningful gun reform in three decades, I turn inward at least for a moment. That was accompanied by two pictures of him in yoga positions. Okay. I have I have a couple questions. Okay. Let's talk most important. Yes. Is he hot? No, I don't think so. Okay. Do you have the pictures of the yoga positions? Oh, they're they're available. I would like to see them. Would you them. like to see them? Yes. Let me um, pull those up for you yeah, here. Yeah, please do. Um <laughs> I have no, I, I I have I have no impulse to say that that was a stupid thing to say, except for how stupid it was. Like yep. nobody cares. It's like who cares? Sometimes you're just better saying nothing at all. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but but this is to open honest. one mouth and to be seen as a fool. Better to keep yeah. one mouth shut and be seen as a fool than, than to, to open it and to confirm it. Walled out, right? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln or not? Oh yeah. Oh, still spillage there. We're getting polite now, so give us a minute. Yes, I know. We're trying. Oh, I got a nap to thank you. picture here. Thank you. This is what we call Stephen Prendergast producing. Bringing pie and cookies. That's right. Thanks, Mom. Okay, well, here's a picture of this, the actual tweet he did. Ah, with the pictures. well, wait. Hold on. Could you bigify it? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't hate it. I gotta say, I don't hate it. His ass looks good in the first one, and the second one is just sort of basic. But he don't look fat. He don't look horrible. He don't look, t and his ass looks good. So I have no complaints. Right. So I, women if, lose the right to make a decision about their body and medical care. So my reaction to it is, I'm gonna do a yoga position, and stand on my head. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's it's stupid. It's, it's fucking completely stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. But this is just like typical of these fucking Democrats. They don't know how to fight anymore. Do we know what his face looks like? I think I don't know if this is him. Let me see if I can find a better picture. What's his name? Andy Levin. Andy Levin. Sounds hot. I gotta be honest. That's what he looks like. Oh, he's all right. I put, very, a, I very... put, a, I put a bag over him. <laughs> no, he's he's all right, especially if his ass looks like that. So I was concerned. He has his head up his ass on this whole thing. All right. Well, you that can be hot too. I guess. But Congressman Levin, to you, we say. Stupid! You're so stupid! Yeah, Andy. I gotta say that was dumb. It, yeah. it wasn't horrifyingly deaf, but it was stupid. It was dumb. It yeah. was dumb. You should know better. But keep doing that yoga, girl. You look good. Damn. I'm saying it. Oh my god. The fuck, Andy. Bending over, looking good. Andy. I need some Julie. Raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. I only didn't sing because I was chewing. <laughs> But I was so invested in that. I'm sure you were. Especially after Andy's ass. To hear Julie and sing favorite things. 
I'm suddenly so here for it. I'm so glad. Hit me. Well, today for our five faves. Oh. Being that was the end of Pride Month, you were asked to name your five favorite queer performing artists. RuPaul. Gee, what a surprise. RuPaul. How did I knew she'd be up on there? They're all drag queens. All five of them. Oh, are you serious? They are. Oh my God, how unoriginal. I think. How I'm sorry. How provincial. Fine. I'm provincial. I'll suck your husband's dick, but I'm provincial. <laughs> Wait, first of all, I did not mean that literally to talk about that I would suck Patrick's husband's dick. I just meant it as sort of a life philosophy <laughs> okay. instead of a specific sort of thing. Um, I, I, I And to be clear, it never has happened. Yeah, he's standing on shoulders. Divine, who's my number two. But... RuPaul Charles, come on! I'm not denying it. I'm, 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 yeah. RuPaul? Okay. And I don't care if it's obvious. RuPaul? Well, I'll see you on Drag Queen, and I'll put up another one. What, what do you got? Varla Jean Merman. Okay. My favorite drag performer of all time. Love her. Absolutely love her. I had the pleasure of seeing her at Mardi Gras in New Orleans some years ago. That's where she's, like, famous from, isn't she? I, be I believe so, yeah. Varla Jean? She's great. She's the one with the cool whip. Right. And, of course, in the yeah. movie, Girls Will Be Girls, the drag version of Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> because Valley of the Dolls was not drag. <laughs> so who's your next choice, Thomas? Divine. Divine, okay. I'll allow that. I love Divine. Yes. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Am creative and given permission to be that way. Okay. By John. Okay. So, yeah. It's easy to say she was the clown. Yes. But she was uh, important. Oh, definitely. Divine. So I'm going to go with Divine. Okay. Number two. Number Divine. two. My number two is Sylvester. Every chance you get, you fucking bring up Sylvester. I love Sylvester. I know you do. I, I know you do. Right. I love Sylvester. I mean, without Sylvester, you're, you're, you wouldn't have Jimmy Somerville. You wouldn't have Scissor Sisters. You wouldn't have so many other acts that followed in his stead. Okay, so where'd it go? I mean, he was great. And, and he performed and he performed in drag back then, too, yeah, you know? Did. He was a member of the Cockettes. That's how he started out. And okay. then went off on his own, and he had so many great hit songs, you know? Okay. Died way too soon. They all did. Right? But yes, Sylvester, my number two choice. Uh, well, if you're going to do Sylvester. Okay, who are you going to do? Prince. Prince wasn't gay. Yeah, okay. So then I'll do George Michael. Okay, because George Michael is on my list as that well. That way I'll get both of them in. Because whether or not Prince was gay doesn't matter here. Why? Because he was a gay icon. He accepted that his... He, don't you? His... How dare you sour your face at the mention of Prince... Being a gay icon. I don't never thought of him as a gay icon. Get your head beyond <laughs> Judy. How dare you? Prince was... Oh, I see Prince as a great musician and artist. I'd never viewed Prince then as a gay pre icon. Let's preserve our friendship. But anyway, I gay... instead. But Prince is not on Michael. this list anyway. So you want with George Michael. We'll go with George which Michael. Which I picked also on my list. I, which <clears> is why we're going to be friends. <laughs> Did you ever see George Michael in concert? I did not, but no. I've seen George Michael in my head while I'm alone at night very many times. Ah, oh, of course. <laughs> yes. 
He was always excellent. I'm sure. He was. Yeah, yeah I love it. Did him. you enjoy his music too? I think that Faith, played from beginning to end, is the sexiest album ever recorded. Okay. I love that album. He was he was beautiful. Yes, he was. He was a beautiful uh, man, beautiful God. voice. He was, Yes, and he wrote good songs, and he was sexy. Yeah. And, and yeah, he made me tickle on my taint. Right. And, and so I love George Michael. That makes two of us. Uh, yeah, he was, he was something else. Yeah. Really, really. Another one gone special. too soon. Gone to, and so weird. Yeah, I know. Just the way he, it just happened. It wasn't like he. Yeah. We had some like long term illness. It just, just boom up, up and died. Yeah, yeah it was very one. sad. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, 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 very sad. So who's next on your list then? What number are we up to? Uh, number. You know, I'm very organized, and I have this whole thing numerically figured out. Well, that was number three for both of us. So this will be number four for you now. Number four for me. All right, I'm gonna go with Ziggy Stardust. David Bowie. No, I'm gonna go with Ziggy Stardust because Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Was, a, was character. a character created by David Bowie, which I'm very yes. well aware of. Yes. Ziggy Stardust was an entity unto himself, and he did things uh, independent of David Bowie, especially at the time. David Bowie wasn't the out gay guy that Ziggy was. Uh, David Bowie was very much trying to hide behind, or not hide behind, but but work within the confines of his time. And he, and so he created Ziggy Stardust, and I think he deserves credit beyond being a creation of somebody else. So David Bowie's the number four choice. I love David Bowie. <laughs> I always do. I always love David Bowie. Okay. Okay, David Bowie. Okay. All right. My number four choice, Katie Lang. Oh, really? I love her. I love her beautiful voice. She got a great voice. I, I I I still buy her albums. Everything that she's been recording for the past ten or so years, I I get everything she records. Did she record? Is it Katie Lang who wrote Scarecrow? No, that's Melissa Etheridge. Melissa Etheridge, who almost ended up on this list. Really? But I yeah, I chose Katie instead. Okay. I chose. I just I I just I love Katie. I like yeah. Okay. I love Katie. She can uh she can sing just about anything, you know. Okay. She really she's amazing. So yeah, Katie Lang, my Katie number four Lang. choice. All right. So who is your fifth and final choice? Okay. It burns. Do you, does that mean anything to you? Yes, it does. Okay, so I'm Ms. A, Coco Peru. I'm gonna go with Coco from the film Trick. <laughs> go, <with> Coco. <laughs> um, who was also in the movie Girls Will Be Girls. And and, and is still a presence. And by 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 Coco, yes. I want to include like Lady Bunny and the one who won Oh fuck. She won she won Drag Race and now is talking to Bianca Del Rio. Mm-hmm. The three of them have this friendship and this relationship online that I thoroughly enjoy, and everything gay. So I want I want to include them, but Coco Peru, Coco Peru in that movie to me as the greatest piece of cinema ever recorded, especially that line. Right. But that whole scene is fantastic. Oh, that's but a great that scene. Line, that line is that's is, a great monologue. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and then she has a YouTube channel where she goes. It's her life. Yeah, so I've seen like, clips of that. Okay. Yeah, her going shopping for shopping for Panettone <laughs> to give to like her doorman, her, her mailman, or whatever the Panettone, her, her CVS. I just Coco. Coco. I love I love Coco Peru. I think she's awesome. I think she's and and a total I like not only an icon but like she's a fucking role model. She lives her life. Yep. I love Coco Peru. Okay, go find her CocoPeru.com.net.org. Well, probably not gov. You can go look for Coco on Go look for Coco. She's fantastic. Yes, she is. It burns. <laughs> and tell me you didn't laugh your ass off 
at it burns. But you got to go back into the scene. You you can't yes. just pick the thirty seconds of her saying it burns. You got to go back into the scene. So I'm licking his balls, and then you can. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Go watch it. Are we at, are we to the end? Because yes. Yeah, so I'm in my I Mickey my fifth and final choice. Oh, your fifth now. and final choice. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, uh, mine's not one person. It's a group. So is mine. But mine's not a group of drag queens. Mine's a group of musici- musicians and singers. Who are? The B-52s. Okay. Truly the gayest group there ever was. Really? I think there's only I think only Cindy Wilson was the only one who was not gay in the group. Or one of them. I think it was Cindy Wilson. Bronski Beat? All the other members were gay. Bronski Beat, I don't know if they were all gay. In and well, anyway, B-52s was the gay sensibility. Oh my God, yeah. Right? And they were... The ultimate party band. Yeah. You know? Always had... I've been to so many concerts of theirs. Always had a great time. It feels like you're at a party. Yeah. Because yeah, it's just... It's great dance music. A lot of it. It's just great fucking dance music. And a party ain't a party until you hear some B-52s. Yeah. You gotta have some Abbott in there, too. Of course. But, but some b 50 You need some b 50 You need some b And we ain't talking about Love Shack. There's a hell of a lot more better songs than oh Love Shack out yeah. there. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, Love Shack is like cheese. Right, yeah. You're that's, supposed yeah. to nip that Please, on yeah. your way in. Yeah, that's for the masses. Go dig. Go dive deep in yeah, the B-52s. Yeah, I like the B-52s. Right? So that was my fifth and final choice. Nice. That was a good one. Yeah, I think so too. We now move on to our next segment, I think. Yes, we do. If I can get it going. Oh, I hate my computer. See, here's the problem. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. Okay, now I'm lagging on this one, so I want you to start. You want me to go first? I want you to go first. Well, mine's actually related to my last choice of the five faves. Okay. My gripe is why the B-52s are not yet in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. I bet you had to dig really deep for that. No, I thought about it today. It came up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring it up as my gripe today. Like, so day to day. Yes. Your life is not irritating enough that you had to go searching for the B-52s not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I knew they haven't been. Yeah. I just joined a Facebook group that's like trying to publicize the fact that they are not yet in the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Because they're long overdue. Oh, They've okay. been around since 1979, for well, God's well, sake. Well, is it, is, it, is it a matter of how long you've been around? No. I mean, oh, yes, there is a certain cutoff point, but they're way beyond it. They're contempor- there are contemporary groups of their same time period that are already in the Hall of Fame. Uh, like Tina Turner? Yeah. Cindy Lauper? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think Cindy Lauper is, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Not the B-52s. But not the B-52s. And that's your gripe of the week. Yes, it is. Okay. So what's your gripe of the week? I I was hoping you were going to lead me to one. <laughs> um, you did. Boy. Yeah, no, that was absolutely <laughs> no help. Hey, you followed me into the wrong cave. Yeah, wolf. Uh, here I am now dangling, hoping to come up with something in the time it takes me to speak this sentence and I'm extending because I'm still trying to think of something. Uh, but uh, you know what it is? I hate living in a world with people. You hate living in a world with people? I do, because they suck. Things like the Supreme Court. Yes. I know, it's very disheartening. It's, it's very frustrating. You know, um... I worry about how the rule of law is going to go in the future in this I, country. You how, know? Does, how does... How does... You know, the respect the lo- for the, the Supreme Court now is at an old time. No, no, I have no respect for that institution right? anymore. I, I'd love to see the building, and I like the idea that they all enter behind them red curtains. I think that's hot. But, um, <laughs> no, like, 
that I can trust that the Supreme Court is going to take care of things, that doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, you can, but the rest of our government it needs to be reformed. They're not, they're, they're, there's no shame almost. Like they don't mind lying to you straight in the face for their own benefit. And that bothers me a lot. Yeah. The Supreme Court is, is supposed to be different. And uh, yeah, I don't like it. I know. I don't like it. I, uh, I don't like, I don't like those three new ones. <laughs> I just, I like, Roberts has sort of redeemed himself over the years. Roberts has sort of made a place for himself as a, as a. Roberts is trying to respect and uphold the court's legacy. And for that, he deserves some respect. Some, yes. And, and he has, uh, he's backed that up. To an extent, yes. He has backed that up. Uh, and you can't expect more than his attempt. Clarence Thomas has absolutely no intent of maintaining the respect for the Supreme Court. He just doesn't. And the other three are just willing to do whatever somebody tells them to. They're like fucking golden retriever puppies. You know, they're just like, yeah, I'll lie in front of the Congress and yeah, I'll do this. It's just, it's just insane. It's, it's, you can't trust an institution. Yeah. Right now. It's a shame. And that bothers me. That, that, makes, that makes me upset. As it should. Yeah. 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 That's sad. Yeah. I'm going to have a cookie. Have a cookie. Have a cookie. Anyway, this brings us now to the conclusion of this week's episode. How does that make you feel, Tony? Why do you ask me things when I have a cookie? Why not? <laughs> um, how does it make me feel? Yes. Well, I got to tell you, when I was little and it snowed, yes, um, I would have to shovel the snow. Okay. And shoveling the snow sucks. Yes. And then I would come inside and my mother yes. would give me a shot of whiskey. Okay. So I kind of feel like I need a shot of whiskey. <laughs> Oh, okay, because the bourbon earlier wasn't enough? No. I'm sorry to hear that. I feel cold and wet. (laughs) You feel moist? No. No. I feel cold and wet. More interesting. Moist seems to indicate somehow heat. Yes. And I'm talking about cold and wet. Yes. What's the word for that? Damp. Is damp cold? That's interesting. (laughs) Hold on. We'll explore that next week's episode. Yeah, I may come up with an answer. (laughs) Okay. I don't think so right now, though. But anyway, you can follow all of our episodes and all of our bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. Don't you think every every fucking segment in a different voice? <laughs> I'm asking you out there in podcasting, who, <clears throat> who won't answer me? Uh, yeah, okay. And also, don't forget to follow us on our Facebook and Twitter feeds, of course where we try to post daily. And um, that's pretty much it. Hopefully next week you'll be getting an episode from us from Cherry Grove. Well, not us. Well, yes, you will not be there, I will not be there. But I will be there. Stephen will be there. Two of our past guests, Ernie and John, will be there. And bro, Bryce will be there also. Bryce will be there? I think no, actually, no, Bryce probably won't be there because we're recording on Tuesday. So. You're recording on Tuesday and Bryce is on Sunday. So he won't be there, but okay. Yes, but yeah, yes. Um, but we'll we be recording an episode out in Cherry Grove. I think you should do a history of Cherry Grove or a feature of Cherry Grove because of your the hair up your ass about the Fire Island movie being only <laughs> about the pines and not Cherry Grove. And I think you should take this opportunity of you being live on the radio waves to do something special about the fucking cherry grove. I'll see what I can put together. Well, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to see you till when? Oh, it's like the 12th. You'll see me on, yeah, on the July, July 13th. You'll yeah. see me then. All right. Have All a good right. day. We certainly will. All right. Can I say it now? <laughs> not yet. Okay. The first time to say this is the end of our episode. So have a good night. Have a good week. 
have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. <laughs>